Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and of course, Katie Gullis is with us here again today. I am glad you're listening, and also we are very happy whenever you contact us, and a couple of you did recently. Katie, we got a nice letter here from a listener way out in California, right? That's right, Father Thomas says, Dearest Father Loya. Now, that's wonderful. I wonder <laughs> when the last time was I was addressed as dearest. Well, in this letter, my fiancé and I are getting married this August, and I just bought one of your icons as a wedding day present. If you knew my fiancé, and if you knew our story, you would know how perfect an icon written by you is for him, our new home, and our prayer life. I'm writing to you to see, if at all possible, you'd be willing to write a personalized letter to go along with the icon, maybe about your advice for marriage, or really anything. This gesture by you would really mean so much to us. My fiancé is a wonderful spiritual leader in our relationship. I remember how shocked I was when we were first dating and I heard that he also listened to your podcast. This is most unusual as we live more than a thousand miles from you and both practice the Roman Rite. Anytime you are in town, we try to attend your lectures. In fact, we drove two hours last year to hear you speak in San Diego. We also met you a couple of months ago at a talk in Southern California, and we spoke with you briefly at Annunciation in Anaheim the next day. We have struggled with our local Catholic community to find peers and clergy that live in the H zone as you do, but despite that, we find great encouragement from you to not be dishonest with ourselves, one another, and our Catholic and non-Catholic community. Well, Father, if you'd be willing to do this, please let me know what else you would need. Fondly, Brittany. Well, what a wonderful letter. Thank you, Brittany. I will comply with your request. Uh, for those of you listening to her letter, a couple things to point out. She mentioned she has one of my icons. She probably means 
She has one of my icons that was actually a reproduction of the murals I have done in my church at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. You can look at some of those by going online, byzantinecatholic.com. In fact, we'll be soon updating those pictures there. So you can go to byzantinecatholic.com and look at the icon murals that I painted. And some of them are being reproduced, and and they're available in a couple of uh, Catholic bookstore outlets. So we do thank uh, Brittany for that letter. And also, she also mentioned the H-Zone. And the H-Zone refers to the, I call it the honesty zone. In other words, it's all H-words. In other words, if we're honest to the theology of our body, the language of our body, in other words, we're honest to the teaching of the church, the created order on all moral issues, we will have then a holiness about us. And holiness, an H-word, results in happiness. It's the only way to be happy is to be holy. And if we're honest, holy, and happy, long enough, in the end we get the other big H, heaven. Conversely, if we dishonest, dishonesty, we diss it, as the young people would say, we end up with another H word, which is hurt. And of course, if we are dishonest and hurt enough, in the end, we will, of course, get the other H, and we don't want that. So we want to stay in the H zone, which is the honesty zone. Just a little way of understanding the church's teaching on, on morality and all moral issues. It really comes down to one word, and that is honesty. Being honest to the created order, especially as reflected in the language or theology of our bodies. Another interesting letter from our good friend out in Orinda, California, Sonia, Sonia Cavazos. And Sonia mentioned that she had heard our program, which in which we were talking about her parish, Our Lady of Fatima Byzantine Catholic, it's actually Russian Byzantine Catholic Church out in San Francisco. So we thank you for your kind letter also, Sonia, and also for your faithfulness in listening to us. Speaking of listening to us, Many of you, I imagine, have also listened to a very, over the years, to a very noted Catholic evangelist. His name was Father John Carapi. And you may have also heard by now that Father John Carapi has chosen to leave the active ministry of the priesthood, and he has started a new endeavor. You can find out about that by going to blacksheepdog.us. Father Carapi, as many of you may have known, had been accused by an adult of a sexual impropriety, and he says this in his statement. He says, I am not going to be involved in public ministry as a priest any longer. There are certain persons in authority in the church that want me gone, and I shall be gone. My canon lawyer and the civil lawyers have concluded that I cannot receive a fair and just hearing under the church's present process. The church will conclude that I am not cooperating with the process because I refuse to give up all of my civil and human rights in order to hold harmless anyone who chooses to say defamatory and actionable things against me with no downside to them. He says a lot of other things in his statement, but those are kind of the some of the salient points as to basically to capsulize why he is leaving. Now, without judging that, it is a disappointment, I have to admit, as a brother priest and someone that admired him, and certainly he was admired by others. He did a lot of good work for others. It's rather tragic that he has chosen to leave, but I'm not judging him. What we are focusing on here today is the circumstances surrounding his situation, because into those circumstances, I would like to bring some spirituality of the Eastern Church, because I think that the type of approach to life, the worldview that is very characteristic of Eastern Christianity, is something that actually could solve some of these issues. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, first, let's look at the issue. 
Father Croppy believes that his case, which is a case of being accused by an adult of some sexual impropriety, that his case will not be given a fair hearing because of the nature of the Catholic bishop's charter, which is the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People. It's kind of the guide for the Catholic bishops, for the church in America, when it comes to things like sexual abuse cases. And also because of the way he believes, and many others believe as well, that this charter is sometimes being implemented by individual bishops. There is a group and an organization called justiceforpriests.org, and they put out a very informative newsletter, and one came out in June of 2011. And it gives some background, some insight into where the problem lies in this whole idea of justice for everyone in the case of when there is an accusation of sexual abuse. Now, the charter that the bishops wrote largely is targeted aimed at accusations of sexual abuse regarding minors or children. But in Father Karapi's case, and there are other cases, of course, this is one that has to do with an adult. And the problem is, is that there's kind of a one-size-fits-all approach that's been happening where each situation is being treated basically the same, wherein there's an accusation made. It's supposed to be considered credible first before any action is taken against the one accused, especially in this case, a priest. And if it seems credible, that priest is to be temporarily removed from his duties pending an investigation. Well, what's happening is the credible, so-called credible accusations are not always so credible without waiting for them to be credible, as it were, and what exactly that means is the problem. It's kind of a vague term. And priests are then being removed, or others who are accused are being removed immediately, and they don't have a whole lot of recourse. And what's happening is this is actually hurting their reputation, and they're beginning to feel more and more they do not have a fair shake in this, as Father Croppy felt. Now, regardless of what Father Croppy felt or whatever, we're not judging whether, in fact, he is getting a fair shake. We're just going to look at this charter in light of so well-known a figure as Father Karapi, but look at it from the perspective of Eastern spirituality, how it might help in this whole issue. Because the charter was designed by the bishops, and it was probably, in fact, it was adopted in 2002, and it was done so in response to the media blitz unleashed all these cases of clergy sexual abuse. And so the church responded by coming up with this charter. On the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, in regard to the charter, it says this, that the charter was approved in the revisions for the protection of children and young people at its General Assembly in Seattle on June 16th. So that was recent. The revisions passed with 187 bishops voting in favor, five bishops opposed, and four abstaining. Now, this charter was adopted by the U.S. bishops in 2002 in response to the crisis of sexual abuse of minors by clerics. It was revised previously in 2005. And then, once again, uh, recently, especially in light of what is a, a kind of a growing pressure upon the American bishops to look at this part of it. This part of it seems to be lacking in the charter that where we're ending up now with a new set of victims, and that is the falsely accused, wrongly accused, or priest clerics that have been accused in a way that's uh, very, very, shall we say, exaggerated, with then a corresponding exaggerated punishment and the loss of their reputation. So there's a, a, a balance that's kind of swung one way in this charter that seems to invite an offsetting balance in its revision. So we're going to look at that on this program today, and we're going to bring to that which we think could be an answer. In other words, a perspective that is characteristic of the Eastern Christian spirituality. So please stay with us here on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to Prairie Fest. This year's fest features a 5K run, beanbag tournament, and trivia contest. Experience the reverential awe of our church interior and take a meditative walk for our award-winning landscape. Prairie Fest. No admission charge. Prairie Fest kicks off at 7, Friday evening, August 12th, with music by the Tinley Park Arts Alive Jazz Band. Then Saturday, August 13th at 2.30, the U of I Guys Band, playing your favorite hits. Later, at 7, the fabulous Neverly Brothers. That's why I go for that rock and roll music. On Sunday, August 14th at 11.30 a.m., Polka with Eddie Blazonczyk's Versatones on their farewell tour. Oh, how I miss you. Followed by Harvest Moon at 3. Prairie Fest, $5,000 grand prize raffle. Details at ByzantineCatholic.com on the events page. Friday through Sunday, August 12th through the 14th at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. To find out how you can obtain a copy of the Theosis CD, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. The choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, Theosis CD. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. In light of the move by Father John Karabi, noted Catholic evangelist, speaker, radio host, and so on, to leave the active ministry of the priesthood, we're looking at that situation in light of the bishop's charter for the protection of children and young people. This is a charter developed by the bishops in 2002 and has subsequently been revised a few times and once again ratified, in fact, just this past June, June 16th, at their Seattle meeting, their conference, and it's for the protection of children and young people against sexual abuse. In Father Crappie's case, this accusation was by an adult. And what we're doing is we're trying to bring a perspective to it that might be helpful because there seems to be a call for a balancing in this document in, in how we treat victims, those accused, and the accusers in these situations. One of the things that the document says to the bishops is this. I'll read a paragraph to you. It gives you the tone of it. This is the preamble. Again, this is the charter by the American bishops. Sometimes it's called the Dallas Charter. It says, again, with this 2011 revision of the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People, we reaffirm our deep commitment to creating a safe environment within the church for children and youth. We have listened to the profound pain and suffering of those victimized by sexual abuse and will continue to respond to their cries. We have agonized over the sinfulness, the criminality, and the breach of trust perpetrated by some members of the clergy. 
We have determined as best we can the extent of the problem of this abuse of minors by clergy in our country, as well as commission a study of the causes and context of this problem. And it goes on and on and on. But that paragraph gives you a kind of a tone, a flavor of, of the whole flavor, the whole tone of this document, which is very, very much giving the world the message that, yes, the church is on top of this. We care about those, especially children who are abused. We're not going to let this happen anymore. We're being as vigilant and solicitous about this as we possibly can. The problem, though, is now that what's happening is, with that being a strong emphasis, is that now we're in, a, in an era wherein clergy and laity in the church are sometimes falsely accused, or their situations take a long, long time to resolve. In the meantime, there's the loss of their reputation, even if eventually they're vindicated. You know, how do you put the genie back in the box? It's very hard once you lose reputation, especially if you're a clergyman. Shakespeare said in his play Othello, you know, you, you take a man's reputation, you take his soul. And that's very much the case, and perhaps that's what caused Father Carapi to finally move on. Again, we're not judging that. We're just mentioning that that is the case, and it gives us a little platform here to look at this and to bring the Eastern perspective into it. There have been many people weighing in on this, and there is a group called justiceforpriests.org who have had some very interesting articles written by bishops and priests and other experts regarding this kind of balancing out that is needed in this charter. Katie Gluss is there, and she's going to read some recommendations by one of the contributors to this magazine. I think uh, his name is... His name, Father Tom, is the Reverend Dr. Michael Orsi, and he is from the Ave Maria School of Law in Naples, Florida. And his recommendations are these. First, he says, any charges leveled against a priest should be subject to the same scrutiny as any civil criminal complaint. Rules similar to civil due process should be observed before a man is removed from ministry and placed on an administrative leave, removal pending further investigation, unless there is irrefutable evidence against him. The present standard of forcing administrative leave is based on a credible accusation, quote, one of which has a semblance of truth to it following an initial examination of the facts and circumstances surrounding the allegation, end of quote. And this is weak and broad. Second, he writes, the zero-tolerance policy for abusers in the Charter offends true justice. Civil jurisprudence has always recognized degrees in crime, for example, first-degree or second-degree murder or manslaughter. These designations should also be part of a revision of the Charter since they are important for deciding and appropriate punishment. All cases legally designated as sexual abuse are not the same. There is a vast difference between a sexual contact with a prepubescent child and one with a consenting 16-year-old. In the case of the 16-year-old, though criminal in some states, there may be some room for rehabilitation with future ministerial parameters imposed on the offending priest. And third, he writes, a proliferation of lawsuits has been brought about by mostly spurious claims based on, quote, recovered memories. It has been shown that investigators sometimes suggest the possibility of past abuse, which then convinces a vulnerable person that abuse did indeed occur. This type of evidence should not be admissible. It should only be considered if there is unimpeachable corroborating data. And there are other suggestions as well. The authors of this newsletter and this website, justiceforpriest.org, are not here, nor are we here, to criticize the bishops or the church. We're here to help, to bring fuller perspective, because it seems like perspective is needed. In fact, the bishops realize that themselves. That's why they discussed the charter again and again, especially in the most recent meeting in Dallas in June. And what we're talking about here, if I could sum it all up, the perspective we're bringing here, here in light of the East, to this very, very big issue, and it has rocked the church in America because Father Crappie was a very, very noted Catholic evangelist. Many, many people were inspired by him. 
followed him. Even other bishops, you know, were very inspired by him and approved of him. So this has really affected all of us, certainly affected me as a brother priest. Anytime a priest, especially a prominent priest, one has done so much good, chooses to leave the active ministry, it's a, it's a blow to all of us. So there's a personal stake in this for me as well. What our message is here in light of the East, in light of this whole issue, the Eastern perspective, the Eastern spirituality can be characterized by this word, integration. In other words, both and. You see, the issue at stake here is the fact that, as we often do in our Western world, as we swing between two poles, before the clergy sex abuse scandal came to light, the church leaned or leaned a little bit towards too much towards protecting the accused. Whenever those accusations came up, they didn't become public at those times years ago, and not enough protection in terms of the victims or potential victims. Now it seems like, as you heard from the, the charter, it seems like the emphasis is going the perhaps the other way. It leans too much the other way, which is towards the victims, which of course we need to be very compassion to the victims and concern. But at the same time, when it's not balanced, we create other victims. And other victims, in fact, are being created. Other clergy and laity falsely accused or their accusations being so exaggerated. And in that process, the loss of something that you really can't get back entirely once it's gone, and that is your reputation, especially if it's been taken from you wrongfully. It's a terrible, terrible thing. So we need balance, and balance has to do with looking at something from a both-and perspective, not just focusing this side and then realizing there's a deficit created by that. So you swing to the other side that creates another deficit, and you keep going back and forth, ding-dong, ying-dong, like a bell or a pendulum. The Eastern spirituality, and I believe this is one of the great geniuses of the Eastern church that we bring to the West, the Western mind, that is, is how to live in the both-and, how to focus on two things and bring them together and just kind of live where they intersect. Even in this case, the point of the charter, I believe, could be helped if the point was not that we're just simply focusing totally on the victims and we're just doing everything we possibly can. Yes, we are doing that. But I think perhaps what might be helped, if I may bring a little of what I consider to be an Eastern approach here, rather the goal should be articulated as our aim is striving for what is true for the truth, because only the truth will set us free. It will set all of us free, accused and accuser alike. It will set the world free. It will set the church free of the tyranny of this great scandal and of the pain that's involved in it. And I think when we have that kind of approach, where we look for the truth and we consider the both and, we take both into consideration equally. We're all made in the image and likeness of God, accused and accuser, and we all deserve that dignity and that respect at all times. No one should be thrown under the bus. Yes, of course, we always yield in favor of a victim, once that victim has been absolutely proven to be, in fact, a victim. But even the accuser is a wounded person themselves. So they never lose their dignity as a human being, even though their actions were not dignified. They still remain in the image and likeness of God, worthy of respect and dignity of civil rights and canonical rights. And to the degree to which the church proceeds in articulating its message when it comes to these issues and in following it, implementing it, to the degree that it does that in an integrated way, in other words, in a way that I would call an Eastern approach, that integrated way, the degree to which we do that is the degree which we will have real healing. We will be able to stand up with our head high against the world, the media that continues to attack us and make sport of us in this issue, 
if we can approach it from a very integrated perspective. And that integration, I believe we can learn from the soul, the spirit, the spirituality of the Eastern lung of the church. The Eastern churches are not just history lessons. They're very ancient churches, but they at the same time are forever new. They have a perennial value. They have an ancient yet totally relevant and contemporary value. And I believe that in this issue, it may be time to look into the approach of the East and adopt that for this charter and issues like that. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loy. I was here today with Kenny Gullis on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's Reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.